Hello there, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Tonight, we revisit the dark swamps of Louisiana with the O'Mail Swamp Tour Company, Part 2. Join me, will you, on a journey down south. I felt as though I had just swallowed a frozen ball of lead. Cold sweat broke out all over my body. It couldn't be. It just couldn't, I thought. But it was her. Her espresso-colored skin had begun to lose a bit of its color. Dirty water dripped from her hair and her clothes. What? What do you want from me? It was more of a plea than a question. She stared blankly and just as she had done the night she disappeared, she lifted her hand and pointed. My gaze followed the direction of her finger. It pointed to the open door. Through the door I could see the docks in the spot where the missing boat should have been. I looked back at her and she was staring at me. Her expression was blank and she made me nervous, but I wasn't afraid of her. I believed she was there to warn me. Her eyes widened. I was wasting time, but I just couldn't go back out there. I'm crippled now. I can't do anything to help those people. I'll call the police. I turned to go grab the telephone when I heard a strange gurgling sound come from the woman. Her lips parted and black water and mud came bubbling out of her mouth, followed by a guttural scream. Without me telling them to, my own feet began to carry me out the door. I limped as fast as I could toward the docks, pulling a set of keys out of my pocket. I kept the spares of all three boats on me in case of emergencies. I hopped in boat one and started it up. The sun was setting down past the tree lane. I clumsily made my way out of the little cove we kept the boats in and headed down the river. I was traveling as fast as the cumbersome pontoon would carry me. I picked up the handset and tried the missing boat once again. Boat three, what is your location? I am en route to assist you. There was no answer, and it was beginning to get dark. I flipped on the boat's lights, including a large spotlight I could control from the helm. Multiple beams of light pierced through the thickness of the dark with ease, but I couldn't see so much as a shred of a clue that could guide me to boat three. It had to be somewhere else. I clutched at the now sweat-drenched handset and tried again, doing my best to mask the shakiness in every fiber of my body. Boat three, what is your location? Then, crackling through the receiver, came a woman's voice. Hello? Hello? Yes, hello. I'm here. Boat three, what is your location? I yelled into the handset. I don't know. The driver left us. The engine stopped, and he got out and said he was going to find help. Oh, thank God you picked up. The driver kept trying to get a hold of someone earlier, and no one would answer. I thought I would just try once again. Oh, please say you're on your way. Ma'am, could you describe your location to me? Anything around you that I could use as a landmark? 
in front of an old building. Oh, please hurry. We're all so cold. It's getting so dark here. An, an old building? Are you talking about the mill? Yes, that's it. That's it. The driver said there was a road that led back to the house and that he would go get help. My blood ran cold. A painful lump formed in my throat. I stood silent, almost running the boat into a cypress sticking out of the water. Hello? Are you still there? Oh, please say you'll help us. The woman's voice begged. Uh, uh, yes. Yes, ma'am. Be right there, I replied. I sucked in a big breath of hot night air. I began to talk to myself. Just get them in here and get on your way. Nothing to it. Just get them in and get out. The mill was getting closer now, and as I wiped the sweat from my brow, it dawned on me. The woman on the radio said that they were cold. Cold? This was June in Louisiana. Nothing cold about tonight. In fact, it hadn't cooled at all from the day. The air was still sticky and thick with heat and humidity. I decided to radio again. Ma'am, you still with me? Yes. Oh, yes. Are you almost here? There are children in this boat, sir, and we're freezing, and it's so dark out here. I can barely see my hand in front of my face. I knew there were flashlights stored in the locked box beside the radio. I could have easily given her the combination, but I knew that they were better off not being able to see. Just sit tight, man, and do not leave the boat. I repeat, do not leave the boat. At that moment, a chill made its way up my spine. I swung my spotlight around and, to my horror, standing on the shore to the left of me was a small slave boy. The light hit his eyes in a strange way being absorbed rather than reflected, like he was nothing but a hollow shell. I gripped the wheel tightly. My breath was erratic and tears were forming in the corners of my eyes. I radioed once more. Okay, folks, by now you can probably see my lights. I'm going to be turning those off. Don't be alarmed, just trust me. Now, I'm going to pull up next to your boat. As soon as I do, I will lay down a gangplank, and y'all need to quickly and calmly get onto my boat. Do you understand my instructions? Yes, okay, we understand. I couldn't risk them seeing those things. If they so much as peeped one algae-covered woman with black eyes and wearing a hoop skirt, there was sure to be panic. Besides, I knew exactly what they were. By the light of the moon, I could barely make them out. The boat was parked on the spot where I had been found all those years ago, face down in the mud. As I got closer, I turned off my engine and let myself coast towards them. Up under the trees it was dark, very dark, and they weren't kidding about the cold. It was the sensation of stepping into a walk-in freezer. I could see my breath and the moisture in the air had turned to fog. The tourists were huddled in the boat for warmth. They obviously hadn't dressed for a sudden cold front. At the moment, I didn't spot any of the monsters, but I could feel them. I could feel their presence all around me, and I knew that they were the ones sucking the heat out of the air. I pulled up beside boat three. Oh, praise Jesus, an elderly man said. 
Happy murmurings from the rest followed, and I immediately cut them off. Quiet, I said in a forceful whisper. There will be time for celebrating later. I'm going to put down this gangplank, one by one. You need to come across. Be quick, but careful. Do not fall in the water. Sir, we can't see a thing. Can't we have a little bit of light to cross over? A woman's voice said. Okay, I'm going to point a flashlight at the gangplank, but that's it. Just be careful. I'll be on this side to help you. Into the boat. Just grab a hold of me if you need help. One by one, I helped them across. The last was an elderly woman who was a bit wobbly, so I took a hold of her elbow and guided her. She stopped and faced me, her face curious. Thank you, young man, for saving us. I wonder, though, how is our driver faring? I figured he would have come back with you. Was he hurt on the way back? I'm sorry, ma'am, I haven't seen your driver. I can't speak to his condition, but I'm sure he made it back just fine. I tried to hide the doubt in my voice, nudging her along towards the seats, but she didn't move. But then, how did you know where we were? One of you radioed for me, ma'am. A woman. Maybe you couldn't hear. I assure you, young man, no one contacted you. My husband and I were seated the closest to the radio. The driver tried it a hundred times before he left. It was completely out of commission. The rest of us didn't even bother. We just waited for the driver to return with another boat. I looked incredulously into her eyes and reflexively shook her. I spoke to someone on this boat. I talked to her the entire ride over. Just then, there was a loud commotion. A woman began yelling, Andrew? Andrew? I shined my light towards her. A frazzled couple had begun moving about the boat, grabbing people and yelling repeatedly. Andrew! When they noticed my light, the desperate husband looked toward me, shielding his eyes. He begged. He was just here. He was right next to us. You have to find our son. He's four. He was just right here. Before I could answer, a faint voice rang out. Daddy? It was coming from the other boat. Without a thought, I swung my light in that direction. Instantly, I heard that familiar buzzing in my ears. My head was refusing to believe what my eyes saw. I found Andrew. He was standing, surrounded by three figures. Three horrors. In the middle was Amy O'Mel, her hands gently resting on the boy's shoulder. Her coiffed hair was green with algae, her skin gray and mottled. On one of her hands, the tips of her fingers were only bone, but she was somehow still as striking as her portrait, with the exception of her blue eyes, which were now black. To her left was a slave man. He stood about six foot six. His nose and upper lip were missing, exposing his teeth and nasal cavity. His tattered clothes hung loosely about his emaciated body. Heavy chains hung from shackles on his wrists. To her right stood a Native American man, or what was left of him. He was the most decayed of the three. The deerskin breechcloth he wore barely hung to his skeletal hips. The skin of his face was mostly gone, as were both of his eyes. Long wisps of black hair clung to the bits of scalp left on his skull. My feet had done their thing again. 
they had carried me over to the other boat, so I was standing only paces away from the horrors. The buzzing continued to grow louder until I was gritting my teeth and had both hands clamped over my ears. And then there was silence. I looked up, and the horrors still stood there with the boy, but everything looked gray, as if all the color had been drained from the world. Before I could react, she spoke. We've been expecting you, John. We knew you couldn't stay stay away forever. forever. Her voice was the sound of a thousand voices, all speaking in unison. Just let the boy go. You can have me. Just let him go. I'm I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, John. He belongs belongs to us now. Belongs to who? Just let him go. You can have me. Just let him go. Oh, 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 but John, but John, we already have you. We already have you. You could have left, John. You could have left, John. But you stayed. But you stayed. You stayed with us, John. You could have left, but you stayed close to us. I stayed for the money, not for you. You killed all those people. Did you like the money, John? We hoped you would. That night in the water, you kicked so hard, John. So hard. You made sure they stayed down for us. You made sure they couldn't get out. You helped us, so we rewarded you, John. Those hands that night. All of my night terrors were right. It wasn't those things trying to pull me down. It was the tourists. They were trying to get me to save them. We just need your help. help. The swamp 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 needs needs to to feed. It needs 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 to to consume so that that it can be strong. I was beginning to see a picture in my mind. Memories were being planted there that weren't my own. A small tribe of Native Americans whose names have been lost to history, sacrificing their own for the sake of better crops and safety from other tribes. They fed the swamp until none of them were left. Then the O'Males came along. Poor nobodies living in a shack on a shit farm until the corpse of a Native American chief convinced them to tie up one of their farmhands to a cypress tree and leave him. Their wealth grew with every slave they gave to these black waters. When the slaves ran away, the swamp came for them. But now we have you, John. You're the deliverer. You provided the waters with so much. You will make the land great again. She pushed the boy toward me. I stepped forward on my bad leg to catch him. It held strong. I felt no pain. The swamp provides the vagina. You will know endless pleasure for your loyalty. I took a chance. I grabbed Andrew and quickly shimmied backward across the gangplank. I turned and threw him at his father who was standing in shock along with the other tourists. I knew they hadn't heard what the dead woman had said, but seeing was enough. As I started up the engine of the boat, I noticed the monsters hadn't followed me. They just stood, watching me. I started the engine and got us the hell out of there. 
I took us all the way back to the mansion as quickly as the boat would carry us, not looking back the entire way. Back at the docks, we all piled out. Going from extreme cold to extreme heat had taken its toll. They all looked terribly ill. Of course, that could have been from seeing dead people, too. Some of the tourists wanted to file a police report. About what? The other said. A faulty engine and some ghosts? They decided instead to pour themselves into their rental cars and contact me in the morning about what sort of settlement they could hope to get out of the company. I, too, decided it was best to give this thing a night's sleep before making any decisions. As I helped the elderly woman into the passenger seat of her husband's Cadillac, she asked about the driver. I expected our driver to be waiting for us back here. Will you go look for him? I know we've all had quite a fright, but he's out there all alone. He was such a nice boy. Throaty took his old and overgrown. I'm sure he just got a little turned around. I'll be sure to call the authorities to go look for him. They are better equipped than I am to search out in the dark. She gave a satisfied smile and patted my hand. Well, I'm sure you'll have your hands full tomorrow. I expect you'll be hearing from a lot of lawyers. Not on our end, though. That was quite an adventure for two old fogies like us, and we enjoyed it. Heading to my truck, I was both dialing the local police and trying to think of what I was going to explain to my wife about my tardiness and miraculously healed leg when my cell phone started ringing. Hey, honey, I was just thinking about you. I'm sorry I'm late. She cut me off. John. Oh my god, John. She was giddy and hysterical. John, we just won the lottery. We just won $97 million. Oh, honey, I found the ticket on the counter. I didn't even know you played the lottery. Our whole lives are about to change. I didn't know what to say. I never played the lottery a day in my life. I knew where the winning ticket had actually come from. Just then, I noticed the new tour guide, Adam, limping up the back road. He had finally made it. He hobbled over to me on a sprained ankle. I'm going to have to call you back, dear. Despite her confused protests, I hung up on my wife. John, oh man, am I glad to see you. My boat is stranded. It's full of tourists, man. We gotta go get them. The radio wouldn't work. Adam was dehydrated and rambling. His clothes were torn. His face was red. He had gone past sweating, and I could see dried vomit on the corners of his mouth. Son, why don't you just take a seat? I think I have some water in the back of my truck. You look like you've been through the ringer. He sunk to the ground, favoring his bad ankle. I made my way to the bed of the truck. When I returned, he was slumped over, passed out. So he never even saw the tire iron when I beat him over the head with it. With my new and improved leg, it wasn't hard to drag him out to the river. I wasn't worried about anyone discovering his body. As the water bubbled up like it had all those years ago, I knew there would be nothing to find. And that's how I got here. To your neck of the woods. <laughs> I know I've been such a chatterbox. These trips have just gotten so long lately. You see, there are getting to be too many missing person reports in the area for my comfort, so I decided to branch out. That's how I found you. I must have traveled hours to get to you. I found you on the internet. 
You seem like the perfect kind of loner that no one would miss. Not for a few days or weeks, at least. Now, I don't mean to be cruel, but a man's got to feed his family. Who knows? Maybe you'll like it down there. Thanks for listening. I promise there won't be as much time between episodes in the future. Our next story is pretty sour. If you'd like me to read one of your stories on the podcast, please feel free to email me at scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at scareyoutosleep. View our show notes for all music and sound effects. Good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>